welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. FCS Football Fans Nation, welcome back to the best podcast for FCS football from the south to the west to the east to the north. Welcome again. I am your unbiased Bison admin, Matthew Frazee, back for another outstanding episode. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have a treat for you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you are listening to the FCS Football Fans Nation podcast. Unfortunately, my normal boys, D-Law, Duke Dog, and my screeching eagle, Kyler Neal, are off again this week. So you're thinking right now, damn, do I have to listen to Matt Frazee talk solo again for a whole week? I'm turning this thing off right now. Don't do it. I am joined by two fans of two teams, and they are going to be giving their bold, awesome opinions, and I'm going to be throwing out some facts to back some of these things up. Guys, I am joined here with Mr. Ross Nelson a diehard North Dakota State University fan, and Mr. Brandon Owens, a diehard Jacksonville State University Gamecock fan. Both excited to be here. Both big fans of the FCS Football Fans Nation page. Brandon Owens, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I just got done with a workout, so I'm I'm ready to go. He's got his swole on. He's ready to go. Mr. Nelson, are you, did you just do the same? What are you, what are you lifting nowadays? working out (laughs) (laughs) he's got Uh, the eight eight to twelve ounce uh bush light yeah that's that's about all the curls i do today but yeah thanks for having me on matt uh i've been telling matt for years if he ever has to go solo again that uh he's got to have me on here so finally i talked him into it after too many beers he got me convinced but of course i had to bring brandon on brandon's a great fan of the page so are you ross guys let's get right to it Um, We need to jump right into this because we have a ton of questions from our fans. Always, this podcast is guided by FCS Football Fans Nation on Facebook and the questions that are posted there. So we'll start from from these. I put two of them together here. This is Mr. Christopher Johnson. He says, C-A-A-W-T-F. You can figure out what that means for yourself. And I'm going to add that into Mr. Colin Sutrick's question. He asks, what in the heck is happening in the CAA this week? Richmond, Albany, Elon, New Hampshire with wins. Their favorite were the favorite teams looking way too far ahead. He feels like Towson, Delaware, Maine, and Stony Brook fans all feel like they had a nightmare this weekend. He wants to know if we have any thoughts and what we saw this weekend and our perspectives would be great. For those of you that don't know, number nine Towson lost to Albany 38 to 21. Albany is actually four and three right now with two losses coming by six points. Shout out to Sam Herter from Hero Sports for that intel. Uh, Delaware lost 42-7 to to Elon. Absolutely got whooped. And Maine lost to Richmond 24-17. Stony Brook lost to New Hampshire 20-14. to Ross, I'm going to start with you, man. What do you think about the chaos in the CAA? And do you find that comparable to like what the Missouri Valley sees of teams just eating each other alive? Yeah, I think every year we see it in the Missouri Valley that um, you get a bunch of teams that can beat each other up and... Uh, you have one team at the top, maybe two sometimes that are, aren't going to get beat. Like that would be like a JMU, I think, in uh, the CAA. But and then you got a couple teams at the bottom, like our Missouri or Missouri State, Indiana State, that aren't going to 
beat anybody else. But I think when you're seeing Stony Brook and New Hampshire, I mean, a, a game like that, I think anybody can win that any week. Same with Missouri Valley teams. So I don't. it doesn't surprise me at all. We see it every year in the Missouri Valley. Absolutely. Great comparable of the conferences there. Um, some thoughts of my own. I was definitely wrong on Maine. I thought they were going to be a bounce back team. Kyler and Lawrence hit me on that. And they're super reeling right now with some losses to coaches and key players. Um, we forgot about New Hampshire and we think that may be a shock that they beat Stony Brook just because they weren't in the playoffs last year after making it 17 years in a row. Uh, they, I compare them this year to what Eastern was in 2017, like Eastern lost 2017, they were gone, but they're a program and they bounced back easy. And then obviously we know Eastern went to the championship last year, bouncing right off what Ross said, power three conference. It's always going to be competitive. Uh, two or maybe three of them at this point are going to get to be in playoff eligible. So it's just those teams eating each other alive while those top two, which right now looks like Villanova and JMU, are just sitting right on top. So uh, it's not as chaotic as we think because last season kind of did the same thing as a lot of CAA teams got into the playoffs. So Mr. Brandon Owens, I'm going to bounce this next one off you, man. Uh, This is from an awesome JMU fan, Preston Adams. We love him on the page. He says, so 1 through 11 and slash 12 seems pretty easy right now for a ranking standpoint. Is it accurate at this point to say the rest of the playoff contenders is like throwing poo on a wall and seeing what sticks? Uh, what do we got there, uh, Brandon Owens? What do we have? Well, to answer his the first part of his question, yes. Yes, it is exactly what he asked. Um, take the OVC, for example. We don't know who is getting the auto bid. You have Austin P. You have Jack State, CMO, UT Martin, who had an off year last year, and they bounced back. And pretty much just running through some of their OVC opponents. Um, those are pretty much your top three as of now for the running for the OVC. Um, other than that, you have Tennessee Tech. You have Murray State, who always ruins some chances um, of OVC teams going to the playoffs. So you have at least five teams in the contention for the OVC championship. Now, as for the rankings, though, I mean, you have four or five OVC teams either ranked or uh, receiving votes. So, again, below ranked 11, 12 through 25, it can easily be a toss-up for any team from any conference. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, the ranked teams that lost last week – Villanova at five, Montana State, who was six, Towson nine, UNI 10, 15, Delaware, 18, Maine, YSU, SEMO, Stony Brook, Southern Louisiana, Sam Houston at 25. Tons of teams got upset last week. So just like we said in the past, Preston, um, I think that we got some top heavy top eight teams this year. And it, it really is like throwing pool at the wall. Um, it's, it's just throwing anything and seeing what sticks because we don't know what these teams are going to be like. So great stuff and great comparison with Ohio Valley. That's great. Ross Nelson, sir, we have for Mr. Brad Jans. He wants to know, Trey Lance's interceptions this season, are they going to be six over or six under? What do you think about superstar Trey Lance at this young age? What's it look like for him in interceptions? I, I, I'm i going to take the under on that. I, I mean, I've been watching all year, and he's thrown over 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, which isn't huge. But, you know, there's not been a lot of balls that I've said, wow, he shouldn't have thrown that, you know, that was in the tight coverage or across. I mean, he's had maybe one or two on a deep out route that maybe could have been picked off, but there's just hasn't been a lot of passes that I said, oh, you know, that was a poor decision. So I, 
I don't know, maybe three, maybe four. I mean, anything can happen, obviously, but he just hasn't, you know, even when, when Easton Stick was young, there was a lot of passes where you're like, oh, you shouldn't have thrown that, you know? So, and we haven't seen a lot of that out of him yet. Yeah, I'm going to go opposite of you, man. I'm going to have to go with the over just because I think a bad playoff game and maybe one bad game here against South Dakota State or Youngstown, if it happens, you could see four interceptions pop out of there and then maybe one or three or, you know, two or three more random ones. I'm going to go slightly on the over because I think Vegas wants me to go under Brad. So I'm going to go a little bit opposite there of you. All right, guys, Mr. Brent Evans wants to know, he's looking ahead a bit. Uh, he says, I know the playoff uh, field is nowhere near decided, but what are some matchups you'd love to see in the playoffs between teams that are not meeting during the regular season? He wants bonus points for creativity. So not NDSU and not James Madison. Thanks, Brent. Love that question. Brandon. Who would you love to see for a matchup in the playoffs, team versus team? Let's keep those Duke and Dukes and uh, Bison out of it. I actually have a few for JSU. I would the obvious Kennesaw State. I would love to play Kennesaw State again. That's a great rivalry in the making. Um, some people have called it battle for the border. So I, I would love to play Kennesaw State again in the playoffs. Um, I would love to also play JMU or Montana State. Some other uh, matchups I would love to see, uh, North Carolina A&T versus Nichols, Austin P versus Illinois State, and UNI versus Sac State. That last one would be an amazing game to watch. I love it. Brandon, you've got the playoff field set, man. Well, submit it in. Those all sound like <laughs> awesome matchups, if you ask me. Uh, Ross, what do you got for a playoff matchup that you're interested in, man? Uh, I say the CAA against everybody else in the league with how bad they did last year. <laughs> Oh, shots are fired. Yeah. Uh, but if, if I had to pick one, I'd say anybody who's going to Montana, because I think it's going to be hard to play there in the, if they continue to play how they are in the cold weather. But I put UNI against uh, Montana because I think UNI is a playoff team and that's a regional matchup I think we could see. That'd be a good game. Absolutely. These would all be great matchups. Um, quickly, just on my end, uh, one that I would give was Furman versus Nichols. Uh, give me the top SoCon team, in my opinion, versus the top Southland team in a battle. Uh, the battle of those conferences just outside the Power Three against each other would be really cool. Kind of like that JSU and Kennesaw feel, which is awesome. All right, guys. Another one from Mr. Preston Adams. He says, with all the weird results this weekend and the top four Missouri Valley teams still getting strong, are we getting closer to maybe seeing a two-loss MEAC team get an at-large bid if they lose only amongst themselves? Um, I'm actually going to take this one, guys, because I did some really good research on it. Um, Preston, since 2015, and that's when we both know that's what that's when the Celebration Bowl started, we've had one HBCU team, NCA and T, make it in the playoffs. And obviously, we know they're from the SWAC. They're not from the MEAC. And they lost in, to Richmond in round one. But I have NCA and T actually making it. So I'm not sure if I'm going to go with uh, two lost MEAC team getting in, because I only think NCA and T is going to be the ones who are going to be able to pull it off. South Carolina State has a D2 win and an FBS loss. FAMU has a D2 win and an FBS loss. And Bethune-Cookman has a canceled CELA game and an FBS loss. So right there, you're going to look at D2 win, D2 win, and a canceled game. It's going to give you one less win on your schedule, and that's going to cause you to be one game behind in the committee's eyes. So that's why I'm going to say uh, no for a two-loss MEAC team getting in. Apologize for that tongue-tie. I was definitely going too heavy on the nose, Preston. But hopefully that answers your question. All right, guys, this is a great one. Jamie Williams asks, which team is the biggest surprise to you so far? Other than Eastern Washington, who he thinks has been the biggest disappointment. 
Um, Brandon, what do you think? Who's been the biggest disappointment this far? Gamecock fans do not chastise me for saying this, but JSU is the biggest <laughs> disappointment this year. We came off of a five-year reign of straight OVC championships and then getting bounced, except for 2015, in the playoffs. So the discipline and everything else is there, but there is absolutely no team chemistry. Um, I saw it against Austin P. They There was just no team chemistry. We did try a few things the past two weeks, a few new things on offense, and it seemed to work a little bit, but we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. But as of now, JSU is the biggest disappointment. And Ross, what do you think? Who's your biggest disappointment right now? Biggest disappointment or biggest surprise? I, I had a, my biggest um, surprise would be uh, Sacramento State with how bad they were last year. It's, uh, it's your first podcast. I'm going to give you a break. Give me your biggest surprise, buddy. Uh, Sacramento State with only having, I think, two, two wins last year. If they can beat Montana and, and string together some wins, they're going to be a, possibly a seeded team. So that would be my biggest surprise. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, those are uh, it's a good surprise, a good disappointment. We'll see what the rest of the season brings for both those teams. As people know, I still have JSU finding a way to get through the Valley and winning it. And uh, we'll have to see what Sacramento State does against Montana. So, all right, Roth, this one's going to go right to you, man. With North Dakota State blowing out their Missouri Valley opponent so far, are they crazy good in a difficult conference, or is the Missouri Valley more average? Mr. Hall Jones wants to know this answer. I say it's hard to say uh, until we see play uh, like the Valley teams play in the playoffs because a lot of years, it goes back to the question we had a little bit ago, um, a lot of years you see the Valley beat each other up and uh, you think they're average or they're weak, you know, or you sneak like a Western Illinois in with, with four losses or five losses and then they, they win a, fir- a first round game. So, I mean, we can look weak all season long and then we get wins in the playoffs. Um, I've seen that in the past, not saying that's going to happen this year. So I'm going to say that the Missouri Valley is still above average. Um, and we're going to do well in the playoffs. I think, uh, if we get enough teams in awesome. Yeah. Western Illinois with that, they got in barely with above 500 and won that first round playoff game. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bison right now actually through six games, this article just dropped are outproducing last year's teams in the majority of their statistical categories from touchdowns to average points to defensive numbers. Uh, So NDSU really is one of those elite teams. I think, like I said before, I think there's a huge gap for teams uh, top five through eight right now. I think there's a gap between them and like the rest of the playoff field. So I'm not saying North Dakota state is 10, 15 points better than the other elites that I see like James Madison and like how Montana has been playing. But I do think that they're much better than what like a UNI or Illinois State or a Towson or a, you know, a Stony Brook or something would be. So I'm going to say that they are separating the gap between the team's top nine through 25, but not th- from the top eight for sure. All right, guys, with the craziness in the CAA so far, is it still possible that that conference gets three or few fewer playoff teams? So is it possible that that conference is getting three or less? Uh, Mr. Hall-Jones, once again, asking another question. Love it, Hall. We really appreciate that. Um, Brandon, what do you think? So you're, you're obviously from Jacksonville State. You're Ohio Valley. What do you think of the CAA as, you know, the quote-unquote, you hear the term power three a lot. What do you think about them as a conference? Do you think they get three or fewer playoff teams, or are they going to get three or three plus? 
All right, so I do my own bracketology. I just don't post it. It's it's fun for me to do. Uh, kind of a little break from school, um, but the CAA teams I have in after this past week is JMU, Villanova, UNH, and then Albany is in my first four out. Um, there's a very high chance that they only get three in, but there's also a very high chance that they get four in. I don't think they will get more than four in. We will not have another year where the CAA gets five teams in. Um, it's still too early to call, though, so we'll have to wait and see later on in the season after everybody plays everybody. I love how you ended that answer because it rolls right into my thoughts, man, which is it all depends on the rest of the field. Um, if the rest of the non-Power 3 conferences have a bunch of two or three loss non-auto bids, that can harm like a Power 3 conference, the CAA, from getting teams in. But if the Valley or Big Sky is a bunch of weaker teams outside the top three or four in their conferences, that may open up more spots for the CAA to nab an extra team. So it's still early, but definitely possible. It could only be three, but it could be more. I mean, I hate to not be able to give a firm answer. Uh, You're going to hear more about how many teams the Power 3 get in, Hall, um, later in the podcast. So keep on listening, man. All right, Ross, since you have one, and Brandon, you've got one too, do you think having a loud stadium or extreme weather is a better home field advantage? Tyler, I'm going to butcher your last name, Tojas, I'm going to go with, Tyler Tojas. So correct me on the page, man. Uh, Ross, what do you think? Louder stadium or extreme weather, what's a better home field advantage? I think it depends on what kind of uh, offense you, uh, you run or, or people coming in run, you know what I mean? Um, like if you're a running team and you go to Montana – uh, we saw, or sorry, Eastern Washington, they're playing outside, it's cold, uh, but they were a passing team and they, they lost to Towson, you know, when Towson had Terrence West and they were a running team. I think I like a loud stadium. I never got to be around back in the Dakota field days. Uh, I think back when NDSU was running the option, it was huge to have the out, outdoor field in the cold weather because we never passed the ball. So we were, we were killing teams on the ground. And they, they couldn't pass the ball. Defense ate them up. I think now with a more balanced approach, I think the uh, loud stadium is more important to NDSU. Good answer. Brandon, what do you think? Um, obviously, you guys aren't indoors, but you do get super loud there with Gamecock Nation. And you've got some extreme weather stuff to deal with, too. What do you think, man? Um, I'm actually going to agree with Ross. The noise does play a factor, especially at JSU, because you have – fans that once JSU starts doing really well in a game, they get on their feet, they get loud, they throw the team off. Um, Same with the student section. But the biggest factor at JSU is the band. Our band is the loudest band and the biggest band in the nation as of right now, in my opinion, for for the loud part. But again, it also depends on the team. Some teams aren't necessarily very um, loud for the fan base, but they have the weather that can play a, a factor in it. I'll, I'll take JSU versus Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington came out punching us in the mouth, but our la- our noise factor got really well, really good in the um, game the longer it went because JSU started performing really well. The band played a factor, the fans played a factor, and everything. Even the weather played a factor. It was very evident in that Eastern Washington game that Eastern Washington got worn down by the heat. Also, JSU has struggled in the cold weather. We got blown out by Maine. We got blown out by North Dakota State and Frisco. 
cold weather is definitely not our friend, but I agree with not, uh, with Ross. It's definitely a loud, the loud factor plays a really huge part in a stadium. Can I say one more thing, Matt? The, the only other thing I would say about the loud versus the weather is you can't shut the weather off if it's cold, if it's snowing, if it's raining. If the opposing team, say, comes into the dome and they put up a touchdown or two on us right away, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but if it does, that takes the crowd out of it big time. I mean, you can feel the energy drop out of that dome. So if there's a team that can could maybe put up points early, you can take some of the energy out of the dome and kind of control the game that way. And you can't do that with the weather. So, I, I mean, it's a toss-up for me. Outstanding point. And James Madison 2016 definitely did that. 17 nothing yep. start, and you felt the whole thing go boom. You know, you can't turn off the snow. Great point, man. Guys, good answers. Um, we're moving into the next question because we've got a ton to get to. I got this one. Why am I the most annoying person in the existence of the world? Asks Adam Willie. Adam, I don't know why you do this to yourself, man. Um, I have a simple answer for you. You're not an extremely psychotic, biased fan. You're always very nice to people on the page. So you are far from the most annoying person in the existence of the world. So not even close. All right. What currently unranked team could go on a winning streak and get an at-large spot? Mr. Scott Moffitt wants to know that. Uh, Brandon, do you have a team you think that could really start getting hot, not get the auto bid, but get an at-large spot? Easily. SEMO. If SEMO beats Jack State this weekend, we are out of the playoffs completely. There's no chance unless complete chaos happens in the big three, which I think will happen, we will not make the playoffs if SEMO beats us. SEMO could win JSU. That uh, They could gain momentum throughout the OVC, and you could possibly have two OVC teams that isn't JSU in the playoffs this year. That would be something that would be crazy and new. Myself, personally, I got Wofford. Um, they've got two early bad losses, but they're two and one in conference play. So they're going to have to beat Furman, in my opinion, um, and then the Citadel at the end of the season. But they could be right back where we thought the Terriers could be at the beginning in the preseason. As we all know, uh, the Terriers were preseason ranked. And besides those two early bad losses, if they can just run the conference and, you know, I'm actually going auto bid with this situation. If they can run all the way through, they could be looking at auto bid or that at large spot. So I'm going to go with Wofford on that one. All right, guys, this one's going to be a little off from football. That's okay. We answer all of these like we say every single week on the podcast. Mr. Brandon Anderson wants to know, if it's applicable, what is your favorite Pokemon? All right, I got to ask, Ross, did you ever watch Pokemon? Were you ever a guy? Never even had a Game Boy. Nope, I never. I'm I'm a Sega Genesis guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I never played Pokemon, never had a card. Uh, my little brother did, but no, not for me. Not for Ross. Brandon, were you a Pokemon guy? Did you have one? At first, I was not. I was more into Digimon, actually. Um, oh, my <laughs> boy. I didn't have cable growing up, so Digimon Digital Monsters. We had to have the I went, I went to brought the that less up. impressive. Oh, man. But uh, Some of us, we couldn't afford that fancy Pokemon stuff. But <laughs> later, I got into Pokemon because all my friends were, and my favorite Pokemon, actually, is Totodile. He is a small crocodile water type pokemon it the noise that he makes when he says his name is just absolutely adorable he is my absolute favorite pokemon awesome man yeah i'm glad you said digimon you beat me to it uh i watched that growing up on fox uh, i didn't have cable growing up 
And then I saw the character Mewtwo. I hope I'm saying that right. And I thought he was really cool. I know he's like one of the main ones. So it's kind of a cop-out answer. But that's what got me into looking into Pokemon was Mewtwo. So there you go, Brandon. You got a whole minute there of Digimon and Pokemon. So, all right, back to football, guys. Mr. Scott Lawson wants to know, is the Citadel making the playoffs? And he does a laugh face. I'm going to take this one. Uh, they're not. Nope, Citadel's not making the playoffs. They're going to lose to Furman, and then they'll be done despite their Georgia Tech FBS win. So nice FBS win for them, but uh, they're going to lose to Furman. And uh, I'm not sure what the rest of the season plays out, but I'm going to call that right there. So great FBS upset, though. All right, I have a question here from Mr. Brandon Owens. Brandon Owens is actually a Jacksonville State fan. He asks questions commonly. So he asks, in each of your opinions, what conferences gained and lost bids this weekend? Of course... Brandon, you did not expect to be on the podcast this week, uh, so why don't why don't we get your answer, man? Um, what conferences gained and lost bids this week? Since it's your own question, um, going back to my uh, bracketology, um, I actually had the CAA lose a team um, in Towson after their loss against uh, Albany, um, but I actually had the Southland gain a team, uh, and I had the OVC switch out teams. So I switched out Austin P and Tennessee Tech. Gotcha. Good. I, I disagree with you a little bit. Did you say the Southland gained one, right? Correct. Yeah, I think the Southland, um, I just think looking down the line, they're going to eat each other up. And I think Nichols is actually the only team that gets in there. Um, but I like the Ohio Valley thing. I think Austin P beating SEMO may gain some traction. So I think that's a good one. Um, kind of those off non-power three conferences i think are doing really well but i think the big sky gained one too just by the sacramento state win because i think montana state's not going to fall off a cliff so that's a playoff team and then sacramento state now has put them in a position to be a playoff team so i think the big sky may have gained one as well all right ross this one is a two-part question but half of it's missouri valley so first one is how many flaming hot cheetos can you eat in one sitting and can slash will Youngstown State make the playoffs? That's from Mr. Joshua Hoffman. What do you think, Ross? Flaming Hot Cheetos, I've never tried them. I don't mind uh, hot stuff. I had about six bowls of chili in the last two days, so I'm good with hot stuff. I've never tried a, a Flaming Hot Cheeto, but I'm guessing I could handle them. Um, as for uh, Youngstown State, they can definitely make the playoffs. I mean, they only have... I think two losses and they still have to play NDSU and Illinois state who, I mean, think what you want about Illinois state, but it's still going to be a quality game. They be, they even play us close. And if that's their, their only their third loss on the year. Yeah. They can definitely make the playoffs um, with only three losses. So they had a tough week uh, last week against South Dakota state. They played them close, but uh you and I lost by a touchdown and 10 points to SDSU. I think they can definitely make the playoffs. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It's pretty early yet, obviously, only halfway through. but Yeah, we'll have to see how they perform against North Dakota State, honestly. I think that's their only chance, just because the last two weeks have been against um, a UNI and South Dakota State team. South Dakota State's making the playoffs. Uh, UNI, we'll see. They could be fringe, but Youngstown... I really thought they had to grab one of those two games because now if they lose to NDSU and even if they beat Illinois State, Illinois State's going to be the only team they're going to be able to rest on to say, look at our resume, look how good it is because they're, they're out of conference schedule is really, really poor. So I think it completely relies on North Dakota State. And if they don't beat them, I do not see them making the playoffs. So 
Um, James Allen, is Eastern Washington the most overrated team coming into a season this decade? I want both your opinions on this. Brandon, what do you think? Is Eastern the most overrated team this decade? The one question I have written down is, have you heard of JSU and Sam Houston State? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, no, Eastern is not overrated, even after that loss against Jack State and their slight decline. No, they're not overrated. Ross, what do you think? Most overrated team? Coming into the season? Yeah, I think for sure. Uh, they, you, you go from being a runner-up in the championship game to you're not going to make the playoffs, and we knew that after week, what, last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, I think they're the most overrated team this decade. Um, they've done it before, and like uh, Brandon was talking about, I mean, there's there's been overrated teams before, but I think even with their losses, I think everybody thought with their head coach they have that they were going to come in and be competitive again and to go from, like I said, to go from a championship, possibly if NDSU doesn't make the championship last year, they probably win that championship to not making the playoffs. And we knew that in the first half of the season. Yeah. I'd say that's the biggest disappointment or the uh, biggest overrated team coming into a season in the last decade, for sure. I'm going to give one comparable here. I think that may have been worse. Southern Illinois in 2010 guys, football team finished five and six after they were preseason number five. Uh, the year prior, they were 11-2, and two, and they were a three-seed, and they lost a game in the quarterfinals, but they had high expectations, five and six, uh, and from a five-seed. So, all right, guys, it's pick time. Montana or Sacramento State this Saturday? Go Grizz, says Alan Avidal. Uh, what do you think? Just a quick uh, reasoning why. Brandon, who do you think wins, Sac State or Montana? Just because I want to see the big sky in complete chaos, I'm going Sac State. Go Hornets. There you go. Ross, what do you think? Yeah, I'd like to see Sacramento State win for sure. Um, I always like a team that's going from two wins to possibly making the playoffs, uh, and they're going to need to beat Montana to do that. It's going to be tough to go into Montana. I'm going to take Montana at home. I'm going to go with Ross as well, Montana at home. I said Sacramento State last week, though. To be a top team, you needed to beat one of the Montanas and split this series. Um, so props to you guys. You did it. You're You're the real deal. I love it. Chris Lamb wants to know, how did New Hampshire become good all of a sudden? And I just got to say, Chris, I'll take this one. Max Brosmer, the new quarterback who's taken over for Knight, who graduated last year, he's played great. Uh, a coach that has come in and kept the culture, kept the program rolling, has allowed a storied program. I mean, what, 17 straight playoff appearances before last year finally missing one? Um, I compare New Hampshire, like I said, to Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, a great storied program, and programs don't stay down long. 2017, missed the playoffs, fringe, and then in 2018, back near a title game. Not saying New Hampshire's going to the national title this year, but they are back because programs don't go away forever. Always said that. All right, this one's just for you, Brandon. If you pinch yourself and it hurts, are you too strong or are you too weak? Elijah Pierre wants to know, man. Since I don't have all the admins here, Elijah, we're just going with Brandon's answer. What do you think, man? For me, it's a mind game, um, but I also don't want to go around pinching myself randomly. Um, I say too <laughs> strong. Too strong. He's too strong. Uh, Ross, Mr. Adam Peterson, wants to know, is this red term team, red, ugh, red term, ooh, yuck, red bird team different from the last few years? He says they typically go on a losing streak that costs them the playoffs, but this year after NDSU beat them bad, they looked well prepared against SIU. And it feels different. Do you think this Redbird team makes the playoffs this season? 
Uh, I mean, they, they, we're only halfway through the year. Again, I go back to that. But you have Youngstown, South Dakota State, you and I still coming up uh, on their schedule. Really, they don't have any good wins. Uh, Southern Illinois, if they win out, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. If if they lose to you and I and South Dakota State with four losses, I mean, how many – we could have a lot of teams. It, it's looking like we could have a lot of teams in the Valley with four losses, four or five losses, you know what I mean? I'm going to say – I mean, I don't – it's so early in the season to to say that, but I'll say, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're any different than they have been in the past. They bounce back with a win over a not-so-good Southern Illinois team. So we'll see what, what happens in the next uh, four or five weeks with them. Absolutely. They've got to they've get to the point of their schedule the way Youngstown did, where Youngstown had you and I in South Dakota State, and you're like, show me something. Where Sacramento State has Montana, Montana State, and you're like, show me something. So now Illinois State, when you get to those other matchups that are like the mid-tier rankings, like you got to show us something, and that's going to give you a chance to make the playoffs. I'm with you, Ross. I think Illinois State is one of those teams because I'm not high on you and I this year. So I'm going to go with Illinois State to be in the playoffs. All right, guys, with the loss to Albany, what chance would you give Towson on missing the playoffs with their remaining schedule? This is from Jordan Kendall. Um, Jordan, unless I'm wrong, I believe you're a big-time Towson fan. I did some good research for you, man, because I respect you a lot on the page, as do I with all people. But 8-4 and four is going to give you guys kind of a shot if you go 5-1 and one the rest of your games and only lose to James Madison. Because let's break down your schedule a little bit. One of your losses, it was in overtime, super close game to Villanova, who in my opinion is going to be a top seed. Villanova is going to be up there. I think James Madison might be their only loss. Uh, you need to hope, though, that Stony Brook and Delaware or Maine, which are previous wins for you, are viewed as quality wins at the end of the season. You can't have Stony Brook, Delaware, and Maine just fall off a cliff like Delaware getting killed, you know, by Elon. If those teams are actually looking quality, then your resume is going to bolster. And if you've only lost to JMU going out, you've got eight wins on your resume. Um, an upset of James Madison almost locks you for sure, unless you fall fall apart the rest of the way out. But I think eight and four with quality on your resume from other teams performing well can get you into the playoffs, Jordan. So. To be determined, but I think you could have a shot there. All right, guys, we've got another prediction here. Matthew Sandy wants to know, with Idaho State taking care of UND and Portland State blowing Idaho away, who will win the Battle of the Domes? Obviously, the big rivalry between Idaho and Idaho State out there in the big sky. Brandon, who do you think between those teams, the Vandals or the Bengals? Who's going to win this one? Well, we saw the Vandals kind of show a little bit of spark when they beat Eastern Washington after they lost to JSU. But Idaho State has just been looking good the past couple of weeks. I'm going to take Idaho State. It's going the Bengals. What do you think, Ross? Which one of those Idaho teams is going to be taking it? Yeah, I'll take uh, Idaho State, too. With uh, with the win over, over North Dakota, they blew them out. North Dakota has had shades of being... Uh, decent this year big loss to montana but i think idaho state uh, n- never allowed in this podcast again if you're going to disagree with me like this idaho <laughs> only lost to wyoming by five points only lost to weaver by six and they beat while not a good team this year a program program style team in eastern washington so i think idaho state really has only beat und as a quality win um, so I'm going to go Idaho and I'm going to take them by 10 points. So there you go. 
Chris Hammond, I got you, man. 10 points for your Vandals over Idaho State. Uh, we, we might have to have a beer bet on that one, guys. All right. Dustin Pierman is concerned as a South Dakota State fan, Ross. He believes that they have a bend but not break defense and an offense that will sputter and spurt, which may cause two to three losses for them going into the playoffs. Are his concerns valid, or is he holding South Dakota State to too high of a standard? Um, as a number three, he figures they would have had a blowout win by now, but they are just seeming to get by. So what do you think? I mean, you're obviously a Bison fan. You've seen South Dakota State a lot. What do you think about them this year? South Dakota State worries me always. <laughs> you know that. Uh, you sat by me with plenty of uh, South Dakota State games. And what scares me the most about them this year is that they do have a good defense. I, I think uh, that if they can continue to play good defense, yeah, they haven't blown anybody out, but if their offense starts clicking, and saying that they're going to, you know, could possibly have three losses, I don't think that's going to happen. They're going to beat uh, Missouri State, Illinois State, UNI, South Dakota, Indiana State. They could, they have us at home. So, I mean, there's a, they have any issue at home. It, I don't know. I don't think, I think at most they're going to have the two losses, the FBS and the NDSU. And I think they will be a, a top eight seed for sure. Um, it is a little alarming that they haven't blown anybody out because they've played uh, Southern Illinois, Youngstown. Well, they beat Youngstown by 10. I don't know. I think South Dakota State is good. I don't think they'll have uh, more than two losses on the year. And uh, I think there'll be a top eight seed. So NDSU, South NDSU fan, obviously Ross. NDSU young team goes to South Dakota State next week. Who wins that game? It's not a question for fans. I'm just curious. For me, yeah. What do you think? I think we win. I think we're going undefeated this year. Obviously, um, <laughs> nobody has shown that they can slow us down. SDSU has a good defense, but you and I had a really good defense. I mean, you can talk about matchups all day. I don't think you're going to slow our offense down, and our defense is playing uh, way better than we thought they were going to this year. So I'm taking us for sure, NDSU. Brandon, I won't have you next week, and now I'm just generally curious. What do you think? South Dakota State, North Dakota State, neither of them are losing this weekend against uh, bad opponents. What do you think? Who wins it? I'm actually going with the Jacks because it is at South Dakota State. Last time NDSU went to South Dakota State, they lost. So I'm going Jackrabbits. Oh, man. Guys, I'm going to mark these beer bets down for sure. Did we did we lose last time we went to SDSU? Yeah, man. Yep they uh, they beat us. Uh, they beat us two of the last three times. South Dakota State, obviously, we beat them last year in the border battle. But uh, SDSU would beat us in the dome three years ago, and two years ago, Eastern State had a, right. like five interceptions, and South Dakota State beat us. So, Jackrabbits are good. It's gonna that could be a battle for the one or two seeds. So it's gonna be great. Yeah. All right, we don't want to get too much into next week's episode because that's going to be a lot of discussion points. Uh, we're halfway through the 12-game season, guys. Scott Moody wants to know, what are the minimums for a team from each conference to make the playoffs for an at-large? So this is great to have you guys both here. So I want to get your opinions, Brandon. What's the minimum for a team you think in the Ohio Valley? How many losses can a Ohio Valley team have and still make the playoffs? How many losses can a SoCon team have and still make the playoffs? And then, Ross, I'll get you with like the CAA and Big Sky. What do you think, Brandon? In the SoCon, I think your minimum teams in the playoff will be two. I think it's going to be Furman and UTC. Um, I'd say about three to four wins for the SoCon, and I'd say minimum three wins for the OBC, or three losses. Yep, I, I got you there, sir. We understand. And then, uh, Ross, what do you think, man, for the Power 3 conferences? How many losses can a team afford to have? Well, I think we've seen it before. You can 
it depends on your schedule and how you put how it all plays out. We've seen you and I get in with five losses before in the Valley. They get five teams in. Um, it all depends on who beats who beats up who in the in the end of the year here. I think Big Sky could get four. Uh, CAA, we saw it last year. They got six. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Like we were talking earlier, the CAA might only get three this year, three or four. They won't get less than three. Um, I don't think the Big uh, Big Sky, CAA, Missouri Valley, I mean, unless you don't qualify for the playoffs, I don't think you get less than three. Um, I'd say Big Sky, it looks like they could get Montana, Sacramento State if they keep playing well, Weber State. Uh, possibly Montana State, uh, CAA, the same thing. They could get three or four. I think four losses, three, three or four losses, you're, you're still going to have a shot. In any, four losses in any of those big conferences, you're, you're going to have a shot at making the playoffs. Especially if one of those losses is FBS. That's going to be a big one, obviously, yep. for all teams. So uh, wrapping that one, guys, I'm going to say eight and four to seven and five with an FBS win or big upset win for Power 3 conferences can still get you in there. And I think nine and three at worst uh, for like an Ohio Valley team. Uh, SoCon has shown in the past they can get like a four loss team in there for sure. So hopefully, I, that- I, got, a, I got a question for you, Matt. What? Yep. How does that? How does that change with uh, with a twelve game season instead of eleven a game? Do, do you see? Could, I mean, do they say a six loss team with really quality wins? Are they going to be allowed in? I mean, that's what what changes with that uh, having the twelve game year. I think the most affected thing is going to be the fact that some teams that were forced scheduled to put division two opponents on their, on their schedule. And that's mm-hmm. going to actually put them one win behind a lot of teams. Cause the committee's not going to look at a division two win as an actual win. So like we ran this hypothetical on our page today, you know, if a bunch of teams are 11 and one. Somebody said, well, Kennesaw could go 11 and one. Well, they had to schedule an NAIA team and a D two team, and they would be viewed as nine and nine and one, not 11 and one. So I think the FBS performance, how well you did against an FBS team combined with how close and how big your losses are, are much more, they're, they're so much more important because you have that extra game and it shows how good of your, how good your performance is. So I think it expands on your out-of-conference division two FBSs and big matchups in your out-of-conference schedule. That's my personal opinion on it. So, all right, guys, we've got a few more here. Dustin Wright wants to know, some have Villanova dropping in the polls, and he does not like that. The game played out like a number two versus number five, five should have. What could they have done differently to not drop so much? Take it to overtime? I mean, he obviously knows they could have won this, you know, move up. But he wants to know if they really deserve to drop. Like UC Davis basically stayed in the same spot. Um, just some information here. Uh, Villanova did drop down to number seven. Uh, myself personally, I think everybody can be justified above Villanova, Dustin, besides Kennesaw at number six. So NDSU, SDSU, Montana, Weber, James Madison, I think all five of those teams, obviously JMU beating them, you can justify, okay, these teams are as good as or better than Villanova. Kennesaw, I think they're there just because of the record. They have not played up to par competition. So I would not have dropped them below Kennesaw, so, but I still would have moved them down a spot with how well Montana has played and Weber has played. So uh, what about you guys? If, if you guys were, you guys are, you guys are fans, obviously we're all fans, but Brandon, would you move teams down if they played that well against a big team like James Madison, or do you kind of keep them where they're at? Yeah, I'm going to move you down because you lost. Um, I know that sounds harsh, but that's how the polls work. Um 
even if you have a close loss to a top five team like James Madison or North Dakota State, if you lose, you're going to at least drop one spot. Ross, are you the same? Are you like, okay, you've got to drop at least one? Or are there exceptions to you, you have a chance to stay where you're at? Yeah, I think you possibly could have stayed where they were at just because of Kennesaw, uh, who they are, and Montana didn't play. Um, you possibly could have stayed the same. But I've always said, you know, if you're number one playing number four or two playing five, whatever, you're going to flip your, you know, your award is that if you win that game, you're going to f- switch places with who you played. You're going to be one or two. I mean, more than likely because you're, if you're in the top five, your record says it. Um, so yeah, you're going to, I think normally you're going to drop a few and they only dropped two spots um, or a couple spots. Montana didn't play. So that was a little weird because if Montana would have played and won, you would have said, yeah, for sure. They would have gained those spots. Um, I think you're going to drop no matter what. I don't think they could have, they could have played that game and lost by a point and they were still going to drop because it's still a loss. Yeah. And Villanova has nothing to worry about because in my opinion, they're going to win. I think they're winning the rest of their games. And you're going to sit there with literally one loss to James Madison by 14. I think it was 14 points. I apologize if I'm incorrect. Um, that's going to be your one loss. And the committee is going to go, dang, this team, you know, this is the same way you view North Dakota State, South Dakota State as possibly being top four seeds. You could look at James Madison and Villanova. So, I mean, I think we're coming into a collision course of chaos for those top seeds. I, You know, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, who wins that one? Um, Villanova, James Madison, Montana, if they keep winning, it's going to, Kennesaw, where do you put them at? It's going to be a battle for those top eight seeds. It's going to be crazy. I think it's going to really blow up here as we move forward. So, and we're always, you know, you're always going to see, there's always that surprising loss. I mean, every year it seems like there's that surprising loss in the last two weeks of the season. I mean, what was it? JMU last year had that surprising loss. Yep. Um, You'll be coasting right along saying, holy cow, you know, we know the top four seeds for sure. And then somebody loses out of nowhere and throws a whole wrench in uh, all of our predictions. So I I think we're too early in the season, but yeah, Villanova's got nothing to worry about. We've seen it before at NDSU where we drop after a loss and you, you move right back up into the top spots. So for sure. Brandon, how do you view this man as a Jacksonville state fan, Ohio Valley fan? Do you want the chaos, right? You want all these teams to eat each other alive. Um, just tell me your overall opinions in terms of like, we're moving into a little bit of a different topic, but about that seeding stuff. Well, what do you think? Well, going back to last year when we lost to SEMO and North Carolina A&T at the beginning and middle of the season, we were like, if we keep winning, we're going to go up in the polls anyways. So leading up to the Kennesaw game, I mean, that was a game that was going to play a huge factor into the seeding. So I think it really just depends on who you have to play and the chaos that happens um, above you in the polls. Very cool. I love the perspective difference between where you're from and what conference you have. It's, it's really super unique. It's awesome, guys. I'm glad we we're getting to do this. All right. Speaking of figuring out and learning new information. Um, I have been diving into the HBCUs this year because I'm part of Derek Thomas's Pick'em Challenge, which has been great. I'm not doing awesome at it, but uh, I'm going to have Derek on the podcast one of these days this year so we can discuss HBCUs a little bit more. 
The way the season is shaping up at midpoint, he sees the possibility of two HBCUs that can finish the regular season 9-2 and two and not qualify for the Celebration Bowl. So Garrett Meyer wants to know, what do you think about two at-large bids this year between HBCU teams? So Garrett is convinced that there could be a good possibility that we see two of those teams in there. So I actually dove into this stuff with HBCUs and the history, and let's take a look at it here, Garrett. So I think they can get one, and here's my reasoning behind it. We all know that FCS has 10 auto bids for the conference winners, so we know what 10 FCS playoff spots are going to be. Let's go back to 2015. That's the year the Celebration Bowl actually began. We obviously know since then that NCANT has been the one HBCU team that's made the playoffs since that time. That was in 2016, and they made it. But let's break down like the field on a big level to make this make more sense. Last year in 2018, 10 teams outside of the auto bids came from the Power 3 conferences of the CAA, Big Sky, and Missouri Valley for at-large bids. That left four leftover spots. In 2017, nine teams outside the auto bids came from the Power 3 for at-larges. In 2016, actually the year NCAA&T made it, nine at-larges came from the Big Sky CAA Missouri Valley. And in 2015, nine at-larges came from the Power 3 conferences. My basic breakdown is if, if I lowball it to, okay, the Power 3s outside of the auto bids are going to get an additional nine to 10 teams, that's going to leave the HBCUs and op- after they send their top two teams to the Celebration Bowl, their third, fourth best teams have to compete for four or five spots amongst the entire FCS outside of the Ivy Leagues. I mean, I just don't see a possibility where this season we're going to see two HBCUs take that fourth or fifth, you know, the four or five spots that remain. So it's extremely competitive to even get in those four or five spots if the Power Three conferences maintain how they are with the Big Sky CAA Missouri Valley. So Hopefully that little historical throwback kind of lets you see why I don't think there will be two HBCUs. I do think we could get one this year. I just don't think we're going to get two. So, all right, guys, at the halfway point for the season, who are your favorites for the the Buchanan and Peyton Awards? Miranda Giger wants to know. Hero Sports actually dropped this article today, so check that out, Miranda. They have a great uh, voting poll where the fans are voting on who should be the favorites for these awards. You know, defensive player, offensive player of the year. Uh, Brandon, who do you think should get these awards right now? If at the halfway point, who's your front runner? Um, for the Buchanan Award, it's actually between two team, two players: Zach Hall from SEMO and Jabril Cox from NDSU. Um, both have just played outstanding defense this year, so they, them for me, are my top two runners for that for the Buchanan Award. Walter Payton. For me, there's no contest. Uh, I really haven't watched any other quarterbacks other than Eric Berrier, but Eastern Washington's performance has kind of taken him away from the Walter Payton, in my opinion. So I have Zarek Cooper from JSU. Cooper coming in. Um, I have Dante Olson from Montana with uh, 69 tackles already this year for the Buchanan. Um, he had 151 tackles last year, like NFL prospect beast. So if you're already at 69 tackles, nice. Um, he had 151 last year. I think Dante Olson is a really good pick for that. Um, and then I've got Trey Lance and Dalton Sneed as my Peyton Award winners. 
I'm going Montana again. The Grizz are going to love me. Dalton Sneed has played really well, 15 passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, um, and Trey Lance, obviously, with I think about those same statistics. Both leading top seed teams, so I like those guys for Peyton and Buchanan Awards. Ross, do you have one for either the offensive or defensive player of the year this year? Yeah, I think for the Peyton Award, uh, I think Barrier. I, I mean, yeah, their team's not doing so good, but he's got two, 2,200 yards, I think, and 20 touchdowns. And we're halfway through the year. Six more games. He put up another 2,200 yards, and you have 4,400 yards and 40 touchdowns. We've seen it in the past. That I mean, last year, Stick was up for the for the Peyton, and they go a lot off of stats and not so much about how you finish or how you do. I think Barrier can win that. And I think for defense, it's too early to say because a lot of times it seems like they go straight off of stats. And you really, I mean... Uh, Olsen could have 150, 160 tackles again, and then he's probably a shoe-in. He was number three last year. But uh, Jabril's not having quite as good a year as he had last year, I don't think. I think our defense is better as a whole, maybe, but he's just not having the uh, outstanding performance. I don't think he's going to win it. We've seen it before, NDSU. They play so well as a group that nobody really has the stats you got a guy who gets 16 sacks, you know, and, and 100 and some tackles, you're probably going to get it. I'll say Barrier for the Peyton, and I'll go with Olsen for the Buchanan just because I think he's going he's gonna to turn it on in the second half. They, got, they play better opponents. Not so different opinions. So I think it's going to be coming down to those folks. We'll see how that Hero Sports voting goes, too. Shout out to uh, Sam and Brian and Hero Sports, as always, for being great outlets for this information, guys. All right, final last ones. These questions, there's three of them, actually come from Twitter guys. Mr. At Village underscore Terrier. Village underscore Terrier. Diehard, big-time Wofford fan. He called me out a little bit last week, and he said, the podcast does not dive in enough to the important stuff with the SoCon, the Ohio Valley, and with HBCU teams. So I let him toss me three questions. I'm going to be doing a way better job diving into these things. It's not going to be face value answers. Uh, First, Brandon... Don't feel bad like you need to dive in big because I got these ones with heavy answers, but I want to get your opinions on his questions first before I throw my thoughts out there. Uh, he wants to know, thoughts on the whole Ohio Valley playoff race other than Jacksonville State? What do you think about teams that could be making it? Well, first, the OVC playoff race this year is a lot like the CAA race last year. It is absolute pure chaos. Nobody, There's no, there's no clear winner as of right now, but... As of right now, I have JSU, SEMO, Austin P, Tennessee Martin, maybe Tennessee Tech. Um, I was high on Eastern Kentucky at the beginning of the year, um, but I obviously was very wrong about that. So, But again, Murray State has a very high chance of ruining somebody's chances of going to the playoffs. Murray, yeah. In my research, I was looking through them. I'm like, oh man, they're kind of the outlier here. This could be interesting. I'll ask you a second one too, and then I'll take over there, Brandon. What are Wofford's playoff chances if they lost to Furman but beat everybody else by three scores? Obviously, Village Terrier, he's a big Wofford fan. What do you think about their chance their chances with you doing your uh your bracketeering and stuff? If they lose this week to Furman, they or if they lose to Furman, period, they will be out. Um, highest quality wins at this point left on their schedule are Furman and UTC. Um and again, don't count out Mercer in the SoCon. Uh, they are like Murray State. They will ruin somebody's chances of going to playoffs. And also that South Carolina State loss at the very beginning of the year, 
really hurt them. So unless you win out, you will not go to the playoffs. Love the answers, man. And I'm going to tell you mine right now. Mr. Village Terrier, ready? I got all three of your answers here for you, bud. Thoughts on the Ohio Valley playoff race other than Jacksonville State? All right, so let's look at it, man. Right now, we got Tennessee Martin at 3-0 in conference play. Austin P 2-0. Murray State 2-1. JSU 2-1. SEMO 1-1. Eastern Kentucky 1-1. App, it's actually really close and chaotic. I Looking into it, I'm like, man, this is like no joke. But we do know that Austin P already beat JSU. And they get to host Tennessee Martin. So I actually like them right now as the Ohio Valley winners because I think their schedule is most favorable. So outside of Murray State on the road, all their easy games, which are three of the bottom four Ohio Valley teams, are on the road. So the easy ones come on the road. The maybe tougher ones come at home. They already beat Jacksonville State. So I really like Austin P. If I'm going other than Jacksonville State, that's part of the question. You know, we got to knock that out. So um, I think Jacksonville State actually beats Murray State at home to ruin their chances. So I think Murray State's going to drop down. And let's take a look at Tennessee Martin. They have to go to SEMO and Austin P and play JSU at home. That is brutal. So, I mean, you're on the road to two of those teams and you got Jacksonville State coming to your house. I think that's the toughest slate. So um, I'm not as sold on SEMO or Eastern Kentucky as Brandon is. I may be less educated for sure, but I'm not as sold as SEMO. Um, Tennessee Martin, definitely going to be tough. So Austin P, man, outside of Jacksonville State, that's who I really like. Uh, Jeremiah Oatesville, beast recruit, a gem signing in 2017 for their recruiting class. I like his quarterback play. So there you go, man. I'm going to go with Austin P. Your Terriers, their playoff chances if they lost to Furman, but everyone else beat everyone else by three scores. Let's take a look into that. Um, they have to beat Furman. I'm 100% on with Brandon Owens. If they beat Furman, they got a shot. But let's take a look at a comparable. McNeese in 2017 was 9-2. They had a win over a D2 Florida Tech, so they're 8-2 in the committee's eyes, and they weren't the auto bid. They had a two-point loss to Nichols and a 30-point loss to Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas won the Southland that year, and McNeese missed the playoffs at 9-2, 8-2 in the committee's eyes. Looking into the SoCon back in 2017, Furman, Sanford, and Wofford were all playoff teams, but they were all really good, and Wofford actually got the auto bid that year. So let's jump to the present, man. In 2019, Furman is the only ranked SOCON team. That's it. Not like 2017 where there were three ranked quality teams throughout there. Furman's the only currently ranked one. So they're going to lose to Clemson in this hypothetical. Obviously, Wofford is losing to Clemson, who's on their schedule. And in my hypothetical, they're losing to Furman because I don't think they beat them. So they're sitting at 8-4. and four. My question for you, Village Terrier, is where is the quality win? I mean, you look at Kennesaw and their strength of schedule. We're looking for any quality win. If there isn't one ranked team within those eight wins, I don't see how it's justified that you get into the playoffs. Because in 2017, 7-4 Furman, they lost to 9-2 Wofford by one point and beat Western Carolina, who was ranked at the time, and was ranked six weeks throughout the season. So that's some quality. And in 2017, Samford beat Furman, who was a playoff team that year, so they got that quality. That's what put those teams in the playoffs. So unless a ranked opponent rests on their resume, they won't be in the playoffs at 8-4 and four with blowout wins. They'll be that fringe bubble, but I don't think they'll get in at 8-4 and four without quality. So the teams they beat, you've got to hope, move up into the committee's eyes as, ooh, nice win. So I'm going to say at 8-4 and four with a loss to Furman, it's not going to happen. I hope you see some justification in that, some deep diving. Your last question, our last one for the podcast, guys. Chances of South Carolina State or NCA&T making the playoffs at large at 8-3 and three 
given their out-of-conference wins. So we're back to the HBCUs. Um, let's take a look at NCA&T when they made it in 2016. Uh, Celebration Bowl obviously exists, so we need to use comparables to the world we live in now. I'm not going to go pre-2015. Uh, 2016 NCA&T beat Kent State, who was an FBS opponent. Their only loss was to North Carolina Central, who won the MEAC that year, and they lost to Tulsa, who's an FBS. So they were a one FCS loss to the champion from the MEAC. So that's a pretty dang good resume. That got them into the playoffs. So let's take a look. Uh, at 8-3, can any of these teams get in? Um, in 2015, Bethune-Cookman was 9-2 and two and missed the playoffs. NC Central was 8-3 and three and missed the playoffs. In 2016, we know that NCA&T makes it. In 2017, nobody who was outside of the teams going to the Celebration Bowl was above 7-4 and four in second place and below, so no playoff teams from the MEAC. In 2018, no one was above 7-5 and five in second place and below, so once again, none of the playoff teams came from the MEAC. So for me personally, man, I think in 2019, it all lies on Elon. I covered this a little bit in the past, but if NCA&T, if they're 8-3 and three and South Carolina State, you know, South Carolina State, you also asked about them, um, they beat a D2 team, so that's going to hurt them for a playoff spot. I think they're going to have one less win if they're 8-3 and because they'd really be 7-3. and three. So the D2 win's going to knock them out. So I'm not going to count South Carolina State as a chance for a playoff team. Simply NCA&T. Um, if Elon is a really good team and that's on their resume, along with Charleston Southern as another FCS win, I think they have a chance to get in there. So Village Terrier, you're going to hit me up. Disagree or agree, man. I can't wait to discuss it on Twitter. All right, guys, that concludes our podcast. It's shameless plug time. Uh, I'll just run through FCS Football Fans Nation. We have our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page. If you're stumbling on along this podcast, subscribe button, hit us with a review. We appreciate all your listeners. All our questions come from the football uh, page on Facebook. Make sure to find it, FCS Football Fans Nation on Facebook. Brandon, give you a, a little bit for some shameless plug time for Jacksonville State and uh, your podcast that you run, man. Tell us a little bit about it. All right. So follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can find it if you search Cocky Nation, a JSU podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Cocky underscore Nation. Um, our podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Anchor app, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast. Uh, yeah, just give us a listen. Awesome, man. And Ross, you don't have a podcast, but uh, do you have a certain beer you want to plug or anything like that, buddy? No, I got uh, I got no plugs. Uh, just thanks for having me on, and uh, it's been a pleasure. I hope I can do. I hope we can all do it again. That'd be fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, this podcast specifically has inspired me to do what I'm going to call fan casts. And I'm going to do like 20-minute interviews of fans about their teams, their views, and strictly them talking. Going to get you guys on that for sure. I'd love to do this again. This was outstanding. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for all the questions. We super, super appreciate it. We're going to have more next week. The chaos is just beginning. We keep saying it, but man, it's about to explode. Looking forward to what the FCS brings us this next weekend. Thanks for listening, guys. FCS Football Fans Nation, best place for FCS football. Enjoy your morning, afternoon, your evening. Thanks again. Boom.